You may have thought about it. You may have hoped for it, but you didn't know it. Because if you know it, it changes you. It's the knowing that makes the difference. I was looking at a, uh, a profile and someone asked the question, did the Apostle Paul ever preach the kingdom message? And of course, the straight up answer is no. But I'm going to tell you these things, but you have to find them in here. You, each one of you, have to find the truth here as we were talking before the service, there is, a, there is a connection that you have to make that will reveal to you these truths. Um, I was telling my connection, the eye-opener for me was uh, Acts 8 when the Apostle Paul had an encounter on the road to Damascus. And uh, what happened there to the Apostle Paul? His name, of course, was Saul of Tarsus up to that time. And he was the tormentor of the church. All right? Now, that one... When, when, that, when that came up, that raised a huge question in my mind because I happen to know from studying that the church as we know it didn't exist until Acts 8. So what existed prior to Acts 8. Something existed. Something happened to the people on the day of Pentecost. They did not enter into the body of Christ. So when, as you study the scriptures and you find the, the direction and the events pertaining to the body of Christ, such as the harpazo or the catching away or the rapture will not pertain to any of those people prior to Acts 8. They will be, they're, they're inside of something else, not the body of Christ. Now listen, I'm not going to prove this to you. I'm going to tell you this, and you can either blow it off and forget it, or you can go in here and go to work, because it's all in here. You have to find out what took place one year from the resurrection or the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, or one year, what happened. Stephen was stoned. The nation of Israel was given one year 
after the resurrection or the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then they themselves in their act, their defied act of stoning Stephen and what they said closed the door on, the, on Israel and the law. Jesus himself completed the law, of, the law of Abraham. He rolled it all up in a little nice bundle and secured it so that we, the body of Christ, could come into existence. And that's what we are. We are in existence. And so, having said all that, I want to remind us of this verse of Scripture in Philemon 6. This is a major verse of Scripture for the body of Christ in Philemon 6. It says that the communication, this is the King James Version, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So let's go back and look at this a little slower that the communication of your faith may become effectual. So here's how to make your faith effectual by doing something. You have to do it. Acknowledge, declare, proclaim every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, as you enter into this and absorb this, and grasp this and understand this, you will understand this is a major event in your life to bring out into manifestation these things that are already in you, which everybody needs. But everybody's praying for God to manifest them. And he's telling you in Philemon 6 that the uh, communication of your faith and acknowledging all these good things that are in you in Christ Jesus is going to change your life. Absolutely major, supernatural change your life. The question I had written here in my notes was three words. When we know. When we know. Not when we hurt, not when we hear, not when we've not when we have heard. It's when we know, not when we think, not when we hope. When we know. Now you know in your Christian uh, endeavor, in your life, your Christian life, there are things that you cannot explain because you know them. You know it. When somebody tries to get you to explain it, you can't. It's unexplainable, but you know it. And you really don't have to explain it. All you have to do is know it. You know it to the degree. You know it to the degree that you would post your life on it. See, this is what we've done when we've accepted 
the completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. We have no physical evidence that this ever occurred other than the Word of God, which, of course, we know is greater than physical evidence. But beside that, this is all you have to convince you that it actually happened. And so what happens is as you endeavor to study the Scriptures, and when you finally find the wording in the Bible that opens the door to your heart from that moment, when it goes into your heart, from that moment, it becomes knowing. And that's what we're talking about. When we know. 2 Corinthians, <clears throat> excuse me, 2 Corinthians 5.21 in the King James Version says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. Talking about God, the Father made Jesus the Son, sin for us. Who knew no sin, the Son knew no sin, that he might be made, that, excuse me, excuse me, not he, not, not, not he, but we, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is something that has to be known. That all that took place, Jesus became sin, took our place. He didn't know any sin, but he became sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, here's what we have to know. We have to know, and this is what the problem with a lot of Christians are. They don't know this, and so it's a stumbling block for them. We have to know that we are the righteousness of God. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. It's a fact. But it won't affect you till you know it. When you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it changes your whole perspective about everything. I'll show you a little bit more. When we know, when we know we've been made the righteousness of God. So here, you know, this righteousness kind of makes people antsy and nervous. It simply means right standing with God. When Jesus became sin for us, he allowed us to become the righteousness of God, to have the right standing with God. Now, when we understand that we have the right standing with God, you really don't have to go to Romans to figure out a bunch of stuff, but you can. But you can figure it out right here. If you're the righteousness of God, then all these things that you're having to deal with religiously, you won't have to. You don't have to worry about sin because you're the righteousness of God. You think God has to deal with sin? I don't think so. Jesus took care of that problem. That's what this is all about. For us to get to the place that we can acknowledge this, proclaim this, 
declare this. It changes our lives. It doesn't, just, just to think about it doesn't change you. See, a lot of people think about it. It doesn't change them. It's when you, when you abide by Philemon 6. When you allow yourself to make a declaration of the good things that are in you in Christ Jesus to the point that now it becomes knowledge. You know it. The moment that you know it, the change is there. You're not going to be the same. And you're never going to go back because you don't want to. You don't have to worry about going back. Because the knowledge keeps you going forward. The understanding, the receiving, the knowledge, okay? So let's look at this. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who, uh, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption when we know. When we know that we are in Christ Jesus, who of God, Jesus has been made unto us, not going to be, not some other time. It's, it's, it's when we know it is when it starts to have an effect. Okay, changes our perspective on everything. When you know that you have been made, that excuse me, when you know that Jesus has been made unto you wisdom, you have it, but you don't know what to do with it. You don't know that you have it. You want it. Matter of fact, people are seeking it. They're looking for it. They're fasting and praying for it. It's already in there. They got to go to Philemon 6. To, ask, to bring it forth and make it make a difference in their life. But before you can do this, see, before you, before you can activate Philemon 6, you got to know something. Remember, what does it say in Philemon 6? Every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. All these things that we're speaking of tonight are already in you, but you don't know it. You may have thought about it. You may have hoped for it, but you didn't know it. Because if you know it, it changes you. It's the knowing that makes the difference. Nobody got redeemed until they knew that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on their behalf. Nobody. See, here's the problem with this. Early we started down this little path here, but you got to understand under the law, Israel wasn't required to acknowledge the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What were they required to acknowledge? Ha ha. They were to acknowledge that Jesus was the Son of God. And in doing so, they were required to do certain other things, repentance and water baptism. That all goes together. 
You go back and read the message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. That was his message. He challenged them and told them, shame on you. You killed him. You killed the Son of God. See, until Paul came along, the crucifixion of Jesus was a bad thing. They knew that they crucified him. Peter told them that on the day of Pentecost. They knew they crucified Jesus. It was a bad thing. It didn't become a good thing until Paul was raised up. Paul's message was, hey, it's grace. It's grace. Grace didn't, grace wasn't brought into the picture until the apostle Paul was raised up on the road to Damascus. There's a bit, listen, it's a major thing here if you're going to learn this. It's a major thing to know what's law and what's grace. Because I hear a lot of preaching today and they don't know the difference. They'll, they'll give you both in one, in one sentence. They'll give you both. They'll give you law and they'll give you grace in one sentence because they don't know. You better know. You better know what you're doing with the scriptures. There are some statements that are made. There are statements that are made uh, that are transdispensational. That means they will function through all dispensations. Then there are statements that are made that will only function under the law. You need to know that. Or is it a bad thing? No, not until you try to apply it. Because you're not under the law. As a matter of fact, you can go so far as to understand this. You have never been under the law. Amen. Remember? We had a, a timeline here at one time that, sh that gave us the, uh, the breakdown in the dimension when God called Abraham and brought a separation between the nations and the Jews. The law was not for the nations, never has been. The law's never been for the Gentiles at any time. The law was always for the Jewish people. And it's not true. The last 70th week of Daniel hasn't been activated yet, but it's in the wings waiting. And when it does, it's equal to seven years back under the control of the law. But we won't be here. And Grace's books will be shut. When the church, when the body of Christ exit the planet, the book of Grace closes. No more Grace. We're back to law. Keeping the law. Keep the law, keep the law, keep the law. You be very careful that somebody doesn't preach to you that you have to keep the law. You don't have to keep the law. You never did have to keep the law, and you still don't have to keep the law. Grace is open to us. There's no law in grace. None. That's Paul's blazing message, which I am so thankful for. But of him, or but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto you, or made unto us, excuse me, wisdom, righteousness, 
and sanctification and redemption. Those things are in us. Those things are already in us, remember? And Philemon says we're supposed to do something with those things that are in us. What are we supposed to do with all the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus? What are we supposed to do? Acknowledge them because of why? Because I'm telling you to? No, because you know it. It it gets in your knower, and you know it. You don't hope it. Listen, once you know it, Nothing can take it away from you. Nothing. When it's up here, when it's mental, and when it's hope, you have to wrestle all the time. But when you know it, you know it. Nothing can take it away from you. That's the whole point. God wants us to get to the place of knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. That's just not a little statement. That's a challenge to know who we are in Christ Jesus. Boldly, here we go. These things have been given to us from the beginning to acknowledge boldly. Now, this is not all that's there. These are the things that I've never heard anyone speaking about. When we start talking about all the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus, I've never heard anybody put this, these that I mentioned tonight, in the list. It's always something else. I want to put them in the list. We bold because uh, we boldly to, to cause them to become effective in our lives. What all these things to understand that we are the righteousness of God. You can think about it till your head hurts. That's not what he said do. He didn't say think about it till your head hurts. He said acknowledge it. Acknowledge that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The moment that you know that changes your life. Puts you in a whole different perspective with life. Puts you in a whole different perspective with all the challenges of life. Satan cannot cope with a person who knows that they are the righteousness of God in Christ, really knows that and declares that boldly from knowledge, not from head, not from hope, that Jesus has been made unto us wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Jesus has been made unto us wisdom, Wisdom, when you know that, when you get to the degree here that you know that, changes your whole perspective. Why? Because you start functioning from the wisdom side of things. You don't have to wrestle with these things. The wisdom of God is in you. God knows. Somebody said, well, if God knows, why didn't he help me? He already told you what to do. He told you to declare it. He told you, he already told you to acknowledge it. Not acknowledge that you're missing it. Not acknowledge that you don't have it. Not acknowledge that you're searching for it. Not acknowledge that you're trying to find it. Acknowledge that you got it. Hallelujah. Okay. The old life that kept us in bondage has stopped being. Just understand that. Because see... I still listen to these people, and I brother, 
there was a, a, a ministry years ago who came out with this in his book, and it's out there, that we have two natures. And then, you know, most people bought, I bought into that. I didn't have any way of knowing that that wasn't true. I mean, you know, this man was a well-known Bible teacher. We have two natures. Now, we don't have two natures. Because here's what happens if you push this. See, the reason that people agreed with it, I agree, because I didn't know any better, because I never pushed the issue. So, okay, let's just believe for a second you got two natures. One nature is God, and one nature is Adam or something else, or your old nature. Well, where do they reside? Do you think God's going to reside in your spirit with the old nature? That was the first, when I had, when I heard someone say that, I knew right away I'd been led down the primrose path. I was wrong. Because I knew right away God is not going to reside in my spirit with an old nature. I'm not fighting against an old nature. So people want to go over to, what is it? The seventh chapter of, of Romans where Paul describes himself when he was under the law. That which I wanted to do, I couldn't do, and that which I couldn't do, I didn't want to do, and on and on and on. And everybody throws this up on a Sunday morning and says, that's you. That's not you. That wasn't Paul after the road to Damascus. That was Paul before the road to Damascus. But we're supposed to be sharp enough to see through that. But we're not because nobody's challenging it. I'm challenging it right now. You don't have two natures. Amen. You have one. Amen. And guess what that nature is? God. Yes. Amen. See, when you start acknowledging that you've got two natures, now you've got yourself confused. So now you have to start acknowledging that you have one when you got redeemed, what happened to that old creation? Something happened to it. Huh? Now the scripture says we become what? A new creation. Not with two natures. A new creation. Well, are we or not? Are, are we or are we not? So you have to make a mind up. Are you or are you not? See, you have to start declaring you are. You're a new creation. Just acknowledge it continually for until you get to know it. See, when you know it, you don't have to do it anymore because now you start acting like it. You start being it. You start being the new creation. And the new creation doesn't fumble, stumble, and fall all the time. The new creation doesn't fret and worry. If that's you, then you need to get yourself in line with the new creation. The old life that kept us in bondage has stopped being. It no longer exists. We're a new self, a righteous self, a God-filled self that's taken the place of the old self. And with the new self comes the God-given right. Listen, with the new self comes the God-given right to use the name of Jesus. Yeah. 
the name of Jesus was given to us to set us free. For us to acknowledge when challenges in life come, put the name of Jesus up against them. That's a God-given right that we have. And if you don't do it, if you don't, you're shortchanging yourself. Because it's yours. It's been bought and paid for. With the new self comes the God-given right to us, to us, the name of Jesus, to approach life, listen to me, to approach 2020 with a new vision and a new purpose. And that new vision and new purpose is to win. Not once in a while. Every time. Now I'm seeing somebody get misunderstands and said, well, now, you know, uh, the Christian life is a hard life. The Christian's life's not a hard life. The Christian life, you, you have to go by what the Scripture says the Christian life is. I studied it. It doesn't say that it's a hard life. It's hard for people that don't know. It's disastrous to people that don't know. But that's what we're talking about, to know, to know, to know you're a new creation, not just in words, but in here. You know something happened to you when redemption came into your life, when you got saved. You got saved from what? What would you get saved from? What would you get saved into? Most See, listen. I, I wish we had time for me to give my testimony. I searched for God all my life because I, I met, they never told me. They, I don't know if they knew it or if they assumed I knew it, but nobody ever told me in all of my life how to accept Jesus as my Savior. All they told me is I had to or else go to hell. That was the message. Well, not anybody in their right mind wouldn't want to go to hell. I mean, these people were masters at painting the picture of hell so hot you could feel the heat. When you left church, you were sweating like nobody's business. And you were fearful and you were frightened. As a child, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, yes, it scared me. I didn't want to go to hell, but they couldn't tell me how to miss it. They could just tell you, you're going to go to hell if you don't get saved, okay? How do I get saved? They couldn't tell me. I don't know if they knew. I don't know if they were even saved themselves or not. I don't know. I was in my 30s. I was probably 36, 37 years old when I got redeemed. But listen. I listen to people talk today about their uh, redemption um, uh, adventure, adventure. I didn't have any of that. I wasn't sorry for my sins. I ain't never been sorry for my sins. That wasn't on my radar. I just didn't want to go to hell. 
I had never told Jesus back then. I, since then, I have. But back back at the redemption time, I didn't tell Jesus anything about how wonderful he was. All I wanted to know is, am I going to get out of going to hell here? That's it. No hell. Heaven. And when I knew that I knew that I knew that I was going to heaven, I didn't get involved in anything else. My ticket was punched. If Jesus don't know how well, he, if Jesus doesn't know what a wonderful person he is, hey, me not telling him ain't going to stop him in it all. And it ain't going to affect me too much because I'm in. I'm in the body of Christ. Now, I got a lot of learning, a lot of growing, and a lot of understanding to do. But I didn't know anything, nothing. This authority was given to the body of Christ to be used in this, in this life, not after the rapture. Now we use it. The ability to use this authority was given in the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. When the Holy Spirit came into us, guess what he did? He brought with him all of his abilities, all the power, all the ability that he used to raise Jesus from the dead is inside of each one of us. We got to go to Philemon and let it out. He brought all of his abilities with him. Nothing is missing. The ability that he used in raising Jesus from the dead, it's all in him now, and he is in us. It's all in there for us to acknowledge that we have received. No wonder John said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The only limit, the only limits that are set, the only limits that are set are the ones that you and I set. Most of the limits are set from ignorance of the Word of God, not knowing. I don't know of anybody who would deliberately deny the Scriptures. So the majority of the limits that man has to deal with, the body of Christ has to deal with, or limits that are set for lack of knowledge, not knowing, just ignorant of the Word of God, and not going to any place that's going to tell them the truth. My responsibility when I leave here, every time I leave this pulpit, is to have in my heart the understanding that I told you the truth the best that I could, that I brought to you the truth. And in that truth, Inside of that truth is enough power and ability to cause you to rise up. God has set us free. He didn't put us in bondage. Christ is our life. We are absolutely one with him. He has become a part of us, and we've become a part of him. Acknowledge out of Philemon. To learn more, we will find in the apostle the epistles of the Apostle Paul, what it means to be in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 in the King James says this, 
And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. We say that. Every service, we say it. Do we know it? Do you really know? Listen to what it says. And God is able to make all grace abound toward us that we, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Different 2020. Get a new vision for 2020. Our life. God is on our side. God is on our side. He's never against us. God is on our side. Philemon 6. God, my God, is on my side. My God is for me. My God is not against me. Change your whole perspective just like that. The authority and power of the living word is on your lips. The authority and power of the living word is on your lips. What are you going to do with it? Negate it? Weaken it? Not use it? Or turn it loose? Or let it go? We can say to sickness, listen to me, we can say to sickness and disease in the name of Jesus, leave this body. Come on. You got to know it. And guess what happens? We can say to sickness and disease, leave this body, and that living word on our lips will be obeyed by the author of sickness and disease. But we don't do that. We acknowledge something else. We acknowledge how much pain we have in her body. And see, here's the thing. I'm not saying that you don't have any. I'm not saying that you don't have pain. I'm not saying that your elbow doesn't hurt. I'm not saying that your knee doesn't hurt. I'm not saying that your back doesn't hurt. I'm not saying that your kidneys don't ache. I'm not saying that those things don't happen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying ignore them. I'm saying say something above them. Talk to them. Don't glorify them. And then you say, but it's still there. Really? It might not go away at the moment you speak. So what do you do now? What are you supposed to do? you got an elbow that's just hurting, and you speak the word over it, and it still hurts. What are you supposed to do? Say, well, I guess it didn't work. That's what most people are doing. No, you start thanking God that the power of God is working in your body. It will not fail. It cannot fail. God is greater. The blood of Jesus Christ has been shed, and it's sealed. The deal is sealed. Don't tell me it doesn't work, because I know better has to be applied. 
And it has to be applied because you know it. Not because you hope it'll work. Not because it worked for somebody else. When it gets to your place and you know that you know that you know, it doesn't stand a chance. You wouldn't quit. You wouldn't back up. You wouldn't deny. You wouldn't deny the stripes of Jesus Christ for anything on the planet when you know. It's people that don't know that can't do it. Hey, I'm not going to stand here and tell you it doesn't. It doesn't work for some people. It doesn't work for a lot of people. Because it's not a good luck charm. It's knowing. It's knowing. When you know, hey, when you know that you know, that's all you need. It has to leave. It has to go. Where else can it do? It can't challenge your knowing. If it's in your mind, it'll challenge you. It'll intensify. It'll hurt more. Matter of fact, the other one will start hurting too. See, most of the time, if you could turn the tables, when that happens, you know you're doing good. You've already got things stirred up. You're already on the winning side. Amen. Not the time to quit. It's not the time to even acknowledge that it exists. Start pressuring it. Start putting pressure on it. You got to stop this stuff. Hallelujah. Yes. By the stripes of Jesus, you can't stand my body. Then you got a testimony. Most people ain't got a testimony. Their testimony is my knee hurts. Would you pray for me? My knee hurts. Really? What am I going to pray? That your knee hurts. I can do that. And guess what? If any two of you shall agree as touching anything, it shall be done. My father was in heaven. Now you got a permanent knee hurt. His word on your lips will break the power of Satan and loose the weak. Loose the weak to become strong. You will not need another man's faith. You have become a dominant spirit. Rather than a harassed, broken, weak spirit, you have joy which is unspeakable and full of glory. When? When? When does this happen? When you acknowledge it, according to Philemon 6, when you acknowledge it and the manifestation breaks forth in your body, in your life, when the life, when your life becomes a life of God and it changes right before your very eyes, you become a new creation. You become the new creation that you are. It starts to exemplify your life. You ain't interested in going back because you've come too far. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.